Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. We welcome you into Berea, the Dog Bowl, a few days off for the BPA. Today, back at it as the Browns return to the practice field, fresh off of a 21-18 win over the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday in Indy. Uh, it culminated five days of fun and frivolity for everyone, including the three of us. I'm Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble. And this is the best podcast available. Gentlemen, good to see you all back. Everybody enjoy a day yesterday or a few hours yesterday off. I like being home. It's good. Good upgrade. Being home is a positive. Yeah, a few hours. Frivolity. What, did you go read Webster's Dictionary yesterday? Uh, no, I did not. I spent half the day driving home from Indianapolis. Oh, so it was on tape. Yeah, okay. but it might yeah, have been. There you go. All right. It might have been. Yeah. yeah. All right, Brown's back on the practice field in preparation for the, quote, dress rehearsal game on Friday night. And quick takeaway from each one of you as they return to the practice field today. For some of these starters, they haven't really done anything since Thursday. So, yeah, I would say the most important thing I saw at practice today was Denzel Ward participating in team drills. It's been a couple weeks, yeah. and I think that that means he's closer to getting on the field. Whether or not that means he's going to play Friday or at all this preseason, which he has not yet, uh, remains to be seen. I don't need to see him out there. Uh, I think it, uh, I'm fine waiting till week one to get Denzel Ward out there. But he got he got a lot of work out there today, and it was it was a big difference from what we've seen. Really, he's been limited in some capacity since the beginning of training camp. So that that's a positive. And when he's out there, it looks like Terrence Mitchell's still out there with the ones. So it, it's it, that's that's where that competition kind of is at. Because really, we've been seeing a lot of Terrence Williams and, and Terrence Mitchell and Greedy Williams out there together. Uh, now it looks like Greedy is still kind of the backup to Denzel Ward out there, which is good for his development, not good for immediate playing time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, combine the two, and make him Terrence. Williams. I like it. Yeah. Let's go I, I like that, the way right? you were right? going. We'll just yeah. roll with that. <laughs> I'm going to go the other side of the offense of, of the ball and go with the offense. Um, Kareem Hunt has been on a steady um, progression of, of the amount of work he's going to get in in practice. Um, we saw him get his you know 10 to 15 reps in the preseason game, and he seemed to get more reps than that today. And, and he was very impressive, pretty much the entire time. Anytime he touched the football, except for maybe one or two runs that were stopped inside. Uh, he made a play. I mean, there he slashed through the open holes, got out in space where he could probably rip off a big run, did the same thing in the passing game, catching wheel routes out of the backfield, just looked very fluid, very natural. And, and it's just it's just like it was in really in minicamp, which is just you can see glimpses of, of how good he could be in a game for this team. And, yeah, it's a bummer that we're not going to see him until after the first eight games are played, but it's still really exciting to see him play on the field. Yeah, no question. Speaking of guys returning to the football field, uh, we got to see Seth Devalve back and Devalve taking some first team reps uh, at tight end today. Well, they really don't have any other options either right now. Correct. They're, they're a little limited, yeah. And then uh, Ratley, the return to Ratley. And the big question, can he make up all of the lost time uh, that he has missed in this wide receiver race? Uh, but two guys to definitely watch, uh, Seth Devalve, you know, got hurt and missed a lot of time again. And I, I, I would almost say lucky for him, everybody else in that room is, is dinged up as well. And it's kind of helped him out here in terms of not having to make up as much. Yeah, and from what I saw with Ratley today, if he keeps having practices like the one he did today, he's going to be just fine. He, 
there's a reason why I think that we were excited about him coming into the season. You saw it on the field today. He just moves in a way that, that shows he has kind of the natural talent and speed that this front office coveted. So I think he the thing for him is he's got to stay healthy. And if I think if he stays healthy, makes the plays where they're able to be made, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities in these next two preseason games. I think he's in even as good as these wide receivers have been, I think he's in okay shape to to still be a, a contender to make the 53-man roster because he also has experience on special teams. Uh, and I, I just liked a lot what I saw from him today. He was moving really well. And remember, first practice when he hurt his hamstring, he got a touchdown too. So he, he was out there making plays today. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch in these final couple of weeks how this receiving core shakes out because, you know, we've seen different guys step up and make plays. You've seen the Jalen Strongs who's had, you know, he's had two-plus weeks of, of good camp now. You had Derek Willies who started camp off strong, had a touchdown reception on Saturday. And you've even seen guys like DJ Montgomery who led the team in receiving on Saturday with just three catches on four targets. So, you know, adding him, Damian Ratley, into the mix, it just makes it more complicated and uh, and definitely more interesting to watch in these final two weeks as we kind of figure out, you know, because a lot of those guys might not play. You know, obviously we haven't seen Jarvis and Odell so far, and I don't know if we're going to see them. Uh, I would not be surprised if the rest of these guys got more playing time because we have to figure this position group out. So it's definitely a reason to watch. Uh, two other guys today uh, that we saw in some positions, in, in maybe a little position battle. Kendall Lamb, Drew Forbes getting some right guard snaps today. Uh, as as our lineman aficionado, uh, Mr. Shook, thoughts, uh, Forbes continues to get a little more playing time, but now we're seeing Kendall Lamb maybe being thrust into that role as well. Yeah, I think that it was more of a what do you know. I mean, we saw a rapid-fire rotation at basically every offensive line position with, with the ones, the ones, quote-unquote, because – you have your skills who are mostly the ones out there. You have Baker Mayfield back there, which would designate the group as the ones. But on one play, you had Drew Forbes at right guard, and you had Eric Cush playing center. And then on the next play, you had uh, you had Austin Corbett at right guard and Eric Cush playing center and Forbes at left guard. And then and there was another player where it was Forbes and the rest of the starting offensive line. You, you talked about Kendall Lamb as well. So, I mean, Drew continues to look better and better, um, more comfortable, but we're not talking leaps and bounds. He's not a pro bowl or anything yet. Um, but he is getting more comfortable. Uh, Freddie talked about it, you know, last week a few times, how he's just kind of stacked days and gotten better, even within a practice, gotten better. And you can tell he's just, he just looks more comfortable. He, he's got his head on, on a swivel, you know, in the pass protection. He's looking around. He's ready to hit somebody. And, and obviously, his his skill set is more uh, inclined for him to succeed in the run game. So, you know, it's natural for him. I think over time we'll see it, that it's a very natural fit. But Man, rapid fire. I mean, a lot of different guys getting a lot of tests. I mean, one play after another within a series to really just test you. Hey, do you know your responsibilities at every position? Can we trust you to be able to play guard and center or guard and tackle? Because they might need to. We can only carry seven linemen. So that, that might be a necessity with this group, especially with the fluidity of the starting right guard position uh, up to this point. So uh, interesting, definitely an interesting approach. Part of me wonders if the inclu- the addition of – Lamb and Forbes. Obviously, Forbes has come on strong these this last week. But is this to kind of keep the pressure on Cush? Because if you're going based on what's happened in these games, Austin Corbett has almost essentially just played center in these first couple preseason games. Yeah. So, and then Kalis is out. So, are they trying to remove the complacency that they don't want to set in that this guy's been the starting right guard for both games and 
one guy's hurt and the other guy hasn't played right guard in a while. I mean, that's that's you, so I think that might be part of why you're seeing Kendall Lamb at right guard because I don't, outside of what we've seen, he he's been mostly a tackle his entire career. Yeah, I, I don't know if he has a ton of experience. Now Forbes has a future at that position, and he might be some legitimate competition to keep an eye on. Uh, but part of me just wonders if this is just to keep the fire burning with Cush, who all indications are. I mean, if you had to pick someone that's going to start week one, it's probably going to be him. I mean, yeah, I totally agree with that because I think the mental test is almost as important as being able to stack up physically. Let's face it, football is a very trying game mentally. I mean, it's going to push you to limits that you did not know you could even reach, let alone exceed. And no more than playing an interior offensive line position, and especially for some young guys. You know, Kush is not a young guy. He's got some years under his belt. But, you know, especially for these players who are battling and they, they need to be tested. And, and if that's got to be a mental test from your coach and you got to sit back and wonder, well, what do they want? What am I doing wrong or whatever it is? Kush actually kind of talked about that uh, the last time he spoke to the media, which was early in his career. He used to worry every day. What's coach going to say? What am I doing wrong? And then at one point he said, I just sat back and went, screw it. Well, I might as well just go out there and play as well as I can and have fun and stop stressing. So you kind of create, manufacture some of those mental tests for these guys and see how they respond because that can help separate. You know, it's not just physical makeup. It's also mental makeup. A couple other news and notes from the day. Antonio Callaway out of the boot. Uh, Whitehead, Carey, Callaway, Burris, Taki Taki, and Hilliard on the Tour de Berea. Um, and can they all continue to rehab various injuries, uh, depending on what they are. I, I, I'm hoping that we're closer to seeing TJ Carey back sooner rather than later. Uh, Whitehead with, got a little dinged up last week in Indianapolis, and obviously you're, you're hoping Hilliard can, can get back sooner rather than later as well. Hilliard's, though, another guy I don't need to see it anymore the rest of the preseason. Even though he struggled you're a little bit in that sold. first game, I'm, I'm fine just because I think he's playing the skill position. We know he's going to make the team. He's, he's going to have an important role in this team. Just get him back healthy for that, for that uh, season, season one opener. I think it is interesting what it does the kick returner and punt returner position, though, because he was getting reps there, and now he's not. And and you see a guy like Dearness Johnson going and taking those reps and really taking advantage of this opportunity with you know the game on Saturday and the performance that he had, and also just the way he's been in practice for the last few days. He's starting to open some eyes. So, but I would agree. I, I think Hilliard is on this team. You don't necessarily need to see him again, but just for the sake of competition, it'd be nice to have. Him but I, I I think if if you're making the fifty three now, I don't know how Dearness Johnson isn't on the team right now. Because of that ability on punt return sure. and kick return, because I don't know if if Hilliard's going to be as big of a part of this offense we think he is. I don't know if you necessarily want him on kick and punt return every single time. Yeah. So I mean that, that that'd be that's something that Dearness Johnson has added to his skill set. And I mean, who else are you going to take outside of those two running backs? You can't have Cream Hunt uh, for the first eight weeks. I okay. mean, who are who are the other who are the other contenders? I mean, I, I think you're probably going to have to have at least three guys at that position. So I think Dearness Johnson's in a great position, uh, and if he keeps it up, I, I think he's he's in a great spot to make this team. Well, and that's what I met Callaway on the, on the kickoff and punt returns. Right. I mean, that's you, you're without a lot of guys, a lot yep. of options, and young man making the most of his opportunity. Well, and right now it might be your opening kickoff return this season might be Hilliard and Johnson, like at back yeah. there. I mean, yeah. I don't know who else who else you're, you're right. putting back there. And you know what? I'm I'm okay with those guys, but, but when you look at the punt return situation with Callaway being out. We've got, you know, uh, Johnson's one of the guys working back there. You see Damon Sheehy, Giuseppe back there as well. You've even got Jarvis Landry back there taking reps because you never know when you might want to deploy him or need to put him back there. So uh, not the best situation, but no. mostly because of guys who are just unavailable. Just, just right give now. me someone that can catch the ball and hold on to it. I'm and, fine with it. 
We'll talk more about this uh, when we play some sound bites from Freddie Kitchens a little bit later on in the actual podcast. Uh, the battle for kicker continues, and we'll recap Saturday uh, again on the podcast. But today, little kicking battle. Uh, both guys with some makes, both guys with some misses, uh, including Siebert at the at the end at the end of practice in eleven on elevens with a with a tough miss to the left and. The way you missed the one on Saturday too. Yeah, got to start. It's it is becoming a glaring problem by the day. But Freddie Kitchens has said we're not going to bring in anybody else. We need to get these guys better. And there's something to be said for those guys getting themselves better at this point in training camp. Well, and, and this was brought up. I mean, this is at this point in camp, it's kind of hard to find someone to bring in because sure. there's currently 64 kickers employed. Unless there's a team that only has one right now, I don't think there are many. Though even the Colts had a kicker, sure. So that wasn't Adam Vantieri. So there, there's you're going to have a lot more options come after cut day than you do right now. So it might just be a fruitless exercise to bring someone else in. It's not like you're going to. If there was a good kicker out there, they'd be employed by someone right now. Yeah. There, that that's the the best point and the most important point of this. But this is also a situation where if you do bring that guy in, that's how you end up with a guy like Billy Hundiff, for example, like this team has done in the past. Um, I'm no kicking expert, but the weird thing about Austin Seibert and the kicks that he's attempted in practice, it seems the further back they go, the more comfortable he is. He uh, His longest today was from 55. Greg Joseph's longest was from 46. Austin missed that attempt from 46, I'm pretty sure, and and that was it looked like he put more into the 55 yarder and it's almost like he's more accurate when he really drills the ball as opposed to maybe he's just in his maybe he's in his own head a little bit and is trying to groove it more than just hit it like he normally hits it i don't know like i said not a kicking expert i'm sure some of it has to be mental um i mean you you think about the pressure of of you know being drafted and everything else and being in a kicking competition it's it's going there's going to be some mental challenges just you know like every other position you got to be able to be mentally strong so it's a test of him for sure but uh, something we have to continue to monitor. All right, that's what happened today out in Berea, Browns training camp. A little bit more after practice from Freddie Kitchens, guys. And uh, his first clip, the first question he was asked, and this is coming off of a Saturday that we did not see too many starters play the game of football in preseason game number two. And this one on what his philosophy is in terms of playing the starters in game three and how much. I don't think um... – it's necessarily you have to play guys a certain amount. I just think that's what everybody else did, and people like to just, uh, you know, maybe not go off of what they feel and think and go off of what everybody else does. Um, I mean, that's like we do a lot of things, right? That's where you're uh, – so, you know, we're just going to go with what we feel, you know. All right, so that's Freddie Kitchens. Not conventional, I guess, would be the way to go about it. Whatever the norm is, you may just want to start throwing it out the window when it comes to Freddie and his staff. Right. Freddie's going to do it the way he wants to do it. And that doesn't mean necessarily that the Browns are not going to play starters on Friday. It just, it just means we have no idea. I mean, it just means that we're not, you know, he's not coming out and saying that they need to go do a full half. And the thing that I've always heard coaches here say is, you know, multiple coaches is they like to go into the locker room and see how the guys that make those halftime adjustments, like that's a key thing. But that's been said around here with teams that were a lot younger and more inexperienced sure. than this current group. So uh, I think with he's got a pretty good pulse of the team right now, and I think he's just going to do whatever he thinks needs to be done. I, I I thought going back to Saturday, the comments he made that were the most interesting to me after the game was about how he had to 
play some guys on Saturday defensively that he may not have wanted to play to begin with. So as many guys as they rested on Saturday, he actually wanted to rest more of those guys, but he just didn't have the numbers to do it. You know, this is, I think the Browns have a bit of a rare luxury here that has definitely not been enjoyed in a long time. And even though they've, they've, as far as it, they've only gone as far as winning seven games with this current core group, um, they are familiar with each other. And I think a lot of that familiarity that you need with a new head coach is established in situations like that ahead of the regular season because it's the first time you can really get a true test with your starters in the most game-like scenario. So that's why you use week three for that, and then you put everybody on ice in week four, right? Uh, I remember the days of when, I, when you would look back to – you'd be excited for week four because you got to see Charlie Fry start. So I, let, We've think, had some game four moments. This is what I'm saying. So we, let, and we've had people pushing for to see guys in game four, like media members being like, this guy's got to get more work. Like, yeah. And we're not in that position. Right, and, and this is why it's a rare luxury, is you don't have to test those guys. You don't necessarily have to do that. Yes, Odell is new here, but you know what Odell is going to bring to the table. We've seen it enough in practice in the, in the amount of time that he's played. I mean, we don't, we don't need to see that on the field. We don't need to see drivers on the field. We don't need to see a lot of those guys who you know will bring it on Sunday on the field. You need to see the guys on the bottom half and really the bottom third of your roster prove that they are worthy of a spot and that they can contribute in the areas that you need because you're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know, we don't have a cut down to 75 anymore. We have a 90 to 53, and that means nearly half of your team is going to lose their jobs in one swift move in the afternoon. So these are important, but it's more important for those guys than for the stars, and it's it's a bummer for the fans because, oh, well, we want to see our favorite players play. You're going to get to see that in two weeks, and you want to see them healthy and as prepared physically as they could possibly be. And here's an interesting thing. Freddie said it was not the conventional way of doing things, or maybe, or he was he didn't feel the need sure. to be the conventional. But something little I've noticed is that the, if if you're counting the Browns as a team that might be resting more guys than is conventional, there's a couple other coaches out there that are doing this as well, and they're both younger and newer coaches. Sean McVay with the Rams. I, I was after Saturday's game. I was watching on I was TV. Watching. Blake Bortles is starting a quarterback for the Rams, uh, and another one that's that's sitting a lot of guys. Matt Nagy with the Bears. Yeah. Maybe this is the new way of doing things. And maybe what, this becomes the new convention. Sure. Instead of the older way. I mean, this these are younger coaches that are doing this. I don't mind being a trendsetter. No. It's been a long time and since it, you could say that. Look, what are those guys? First off, those guys are all from very similar schools of thought. And also, they're all coaches of three teams with expectations. There is no point in risking it. When you know you have that part of your roster set, no point in risking it. I, I, I still think there is something in me you know, that says, get him a few reps. And I had totally understood Saturday because you got a ton of work in Wednesday yeah. and Thursday. Yeah. They got a, They got a lot of work in. I totally understood. I understand that. But Friday against Tampa Bay, you're not going to get that work in in advance. You're going to get some work in, but it's going to be against your own team. I would, so. I would agree with that more if Freddie wasn't running this camp the way they were running it. By the way, did you notice today, no tackling to the ground. They were adamant to stay up. And scout team for the first time. Yes. Got to see uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe uh, dressed as, uh, (laughs) I think it was Chris Godwin, and then uh, A.J. Olette uh, dressed as Mike Evans. A.J. Olette, uh, almost a foot shorter than Mike Evans. So that would would that tell you, so I don't know what that tells you. Does that tell you that this team is getting more into regular season mode or that they're actually really game planning for this game and then you do play more guys? I mean, that's play your guys more. It's true. I mean, 
So I, I don't want to get pinned in one way or the other with this because he really hasn't revealed anything on what he's going to do and Friday. It, it's, it has not been revealed in game one and game two until it's time to play yeah, game yeah. one and game two. I think yeah. that's something that we'll probably learn based on how they prepare in the next couple of days. Or it could be just a week of mock preparation. They still don't play. But that's why you need to listen to more of the best podcast available the next two days. Look at the shill right yeah, here. a little bit. Nice job, Shook. Good job by you. All right, Freddie <laughs> Kitchens next up on the kicking competition Bringing his old ball coach, Gene Stallings, into uh, his story time here with the press today. I mean, when we send the field goal team out there, I don't want to send the field goal team out there thinking, well, maybe we'll make it, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to know that we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach Stallings, I'll tell you a, a story. Coach Stallings used to tell me all the time, when I step up into the pocket and I throw the ball, he wants to be able to close his eyes and know that it's made, that it's completed. Um, that's what I want. I want to be able to send him out there, turn around and go talk to the offense and hear about the score. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. Joseph and Siebert, they've got a lot of work to do still. They both do. And I thought it was very frustrating on Saturday to see two guys kicking indoors missing field goals. Yeah, and and he's been asked now a couple times if he's going to feel – give any more sympathy because of the distance. And I would understand – in a world where these guys are making all of their kicks sure. for him to say, yeah, I'll give them a little bit of a break, but they haven't been. No. These misses have been from shorter distances as well. Uh, so it's, it's like he said, when you want to send a guy out there, you want to know, you want to be confident in doing it. And right now I don't know if there's much confidence on either end right now. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's a source of frustration. And we might find a bit of separation when we go to Tampa because Tampa is traditionally around this time of year, very wet. And if it does rain at all that day or the day before or sometime during the game, uh, it's going to make the conditions a little tougher for these guys and maybe serve as a bit of a separation between uh, whichever one's going to end up winning the competition. Yeah, I, I, I just think for what we've not seen from them, we've seen from the punters. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, both them the are Scottish bringing. hammer with the, the 74-yard boot. But then, you know, Britton Colquitt just dropping a dime right inside, you know, inside the 10, inside the five-yard line, right in the corner. I mean, both guys just – you almost wonder, you know, maybe we should try Scottish hammer kicking field goals. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that would work. Uh, you know, Britton Colquitt made a 52-yarder in high school. <laughs> and we one, know Odell no, can kick. He also had a game winner against Science Hill. And I don't want to – What was the name of school? Science Hill? <laughs> Look it up. Is it, was that an academy? I, yeah, I it's around know. Knoxville. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything on Colquitt's that. can do anything. I just, I, I don't want to keep harping on the kickers, but they got to be better. And, and we've seen moments from both of them where you're like, I could see this guy being our kicker come opening day and be confident in him. But then there are moments where you're just like, come on, someone take the lead in this. It's also a very difficult position because you're judged on a very small sample size. And it's like we talked with Phil Dawson recently, and he said when he missed that, when he first initially had that kick that actually sent the Browns to overtime against the Ravens in, I believe, 2007, uh, he thought he missed it, and he said he bent over and grabbed his knees and felt basically his heart stop because he thought he was out of a job. That was a guy who was eight years into kicking for the Browns consistently thought he had missed two back-to-back game winners or game tires at the end of games and thought because of that he was out of a job. That's the nature of this position, and that's why it's so hard. So, you know, you do empathize with these guys for, for the struggles that they've encountered, but hey, listen, nobody, nobody waits around in this well, league. And because of that real field goal that Austin Seibert missed in the game on Friday, had that been a real game, Colts go down, they're going to kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth and one there, Correct. and all of a sudden you've got a game that's in overtime instead of a game that you've won. 
So that's that's just Thank another you, Colts, by the way. Another yeah, yeah. Frank Reich, another thing. But also, famous alum, most famous alum of Science Hill High School, Steve Spurrier, legend. That's Science Hill. The old ball coach. Science Hill, Visor Hill. Not too shabby. All right, before we get out of here, I, I did want to get a quick takeaway from each one of you. Saturday's uh, game, it was we won. It was a little ugly, especially into the fourth quarter. But there were some guys that stood out, some good performances from uh, a couple players uh, in that in that game on Saturday. Yeah, I was with Freddie. It was a tough watch. I mean, it was it was tough on both sides. Both sides were just absolutely sloppy. Yeah. Um, I do think the refs called that game a little tight, uh, oh, which yeah. is which is a, which is a theme of the preseason. You're going to have that. Uh, so it was a tough watch. It's the overreaction from week one to week two. Yeah, and but I do think that Dearness Johnson was the one that stood out to me the most because he looked like he looked like a fine NFL running back. I, I think he looked like someone that you could put on your fifty-three man roster and come, and be all right if he was needed in a pinch, needed on special teams. He's someone that we none of us really knew much about at all a few months ago, and now I think he's in a good spot and someone you're you're fine with being your number three running back until Kareem Hunt comes back. My game ball goes to his fellow former Alliance of American Football teammate, Garrett Gilbert. Uh, he was stellar, I think. I mean, I think he – people have been asking, you know, who is the number two quarterback? And it's Drew Stanton, in part because of his veteran leadership and everything that he brings to the table in that department. And also, I think Freddie talked about it today. He's, what, 10-4 and four in his last 14 appearances or something like that. Um, but Garrett Gilbert is talented, and, and his natural talent is really starting to show uh, with the added work he's gotten – both playing in the Alliance before it folded and then playing with the Browns from the beginning of you know OTAs all the way through. Um, it's really starting to show, and it showed a lot in that game. Um, he did not have a problem completing passes. He was good under pressure. He adjusted well. He had a really solid first half, and I think the Browns have two very reliable options behind Baker Mayfield if it ever gets to that point. God forbid. God forbid. All right, gentlemen, we will be back with you tomorrow. Uh, as we recap, two more days left to the public. I have one more game ball. Oh. Gribble for his quick Googling of Science Hill. <laughs> I knew it, it was more of a fact check because I always knew Science Hill, Spurrier. I didn't know if it was for sure, but he's a legend there. Johnson City, Tennessee. By the way, we should all get game balls. Yeoman's efforts last week, gentlemen, we, out in Indy. We made it. It was uh, conditions not exactly ideal and uh, the situation not ideal. But job well done by you guys. A week on, of joint practices can, can, can make training camp feel like a, a long, long time. Yeah. The it, Patriots did two of these. I thought they're, oh. they had another one coming up, don't they? I, I'm not aware. Oh, okay. Jeez. That's miserable. <laughs> Bel, Belichick likes them. What? I would also like to give a shout-out to the uh, local chicken near Westfield, Indiana's uh, Grand Park uh, named Andrew Cluck. He gave us a visit inside the uh, media overflow room, and otherwise known as the garage, yeah, took a uh, dangerous leap. We're hoping that he made it safely, but uh, it was—it might have been a she. Either way, there was a chicken running around named Andrew Cluck. I mean, come on, that's great. Yeah, not, not too shabby at all. All right, you can get this podcast and all of our training camp podcasts by logging on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available. <laughs>